If you, uh, if you have your copy of the scriptures, I invite you to turn with me to a very familiar story to many of you from Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, just reading for you what is uh, commonly known as the story of the prodigal son. Luke, chapter 15, beginning of verse 11. It says this, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him out to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will sit out and I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Let's just pray. God, I thank you and I, pray, I praise you for your precious gift of your word. And we pray, God, as we study it together today as your church, for you to speak to our hearts, God, and challenge our lives. Draw us, God, in your amazing love, your amazing grace. Be glorified, God, through it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been talking uh, a bit about over the last few weeks about what we believe as a church, and we've uh, talked for the last several weeks, actually, about uh, God the Father, uh, Jesus our Savior, Holy Spirit our Comforter, and the Bible is God's Holy Word. And this week we're talking a bit about sin and grace and, uh, and how uh, Christ has provided, uh, or God has provided salvation for us through Jesus Christ. Uh, next week we're talking a bit about the ministry and the function of the church. And uh, we're kind of concluding the series by talking about uh, the recur- return of Christ and uh, a bit about heaven and hell. And so you'll want to, uh, to make it each week to, uh, to be a part of the series just to firm up as a church in what we believe and, uh, and how we are to live. We want to um, talk a bit about sin and grace because this is something that all of us experience. All of us experience sin. Uh, for From the very beginning of our life, we were, uh, we were born into it. And uh, sin has always been a part of our life. It's always been a part of humanity from the very first man and woman when they first uh, fell into sin. We see that story in Genesis chapter 3 
when uh, Adam and Eve uh, decided not to believe in God, but to believe a lie and uh, to try to do things their own way, and they decided to eat of that, uh, that fruit of the garden, of the, the tree. Sin is something that, um, uh, that affects us all. Uh, we also want to talk about grace because uh, any who are believers in Christ Jesus have been touched by amazing grace. And it's, I think, because of our great sin that we can appreciate the great grace that we see in Jesus Christ and uh, in the love we have in, in God our Father. So we want to begin by talking a little bit about sin first and the chains of sin and how they can so easily uh, enslave us and, and hold us back. We want to begin by just defining uh, sin or talking a bit about what sin is. Uh, sin from the very beginning um, is unbelief. And as I said in Genesis 3, um, God had told Adam and Eve, yep, enjoy all the, uh, the fruits of the land. Just don't eat of this one tree which is in the middle of the garden. And uh, you may remember the, uh, the serpent comes up to Eve and says, did God really say that uh, you're not to eat? You can't eat of any fruit? And she said, oh, we can eat of any fruit, just not of this one tree where um, we'll die. And he said, well, did he really say this? And, uh, and so he starts casting doubts on, on Adam and Eve, and Eve falls for lies. She starts believing not in what God had said to do, for her to do, uh, but believing the lie from, uh, from the serpent. And uh, sin has, has cursed mankind ever since. We just have that uh, natural tendency as, as humans to, to sin we um, we all um, we all fall into it. James chapter one, verse fourteen and fifteen says, "When when tempted, no one should say, well, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin." And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And we've seen it in all of humanity, even the, the nicest of, of people, and we think uh, we can see are, are plagued with, with sin. We have a natural uh, tendency, the, 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 the carnal tendency or the, the fleshly tendency, as uh, many would call it, that uh, leads us to do what is contrary to what God wants. And we see it even from, um, from birth. I remember my, my nephew, now he's, um, well, he's about 20-something now, I guess. He's um, uh, in finishing up his uh, university degree this year. And uh, I remember when he was just a little toddler. And he was probably between two and three years of age, uh, probably about two. And um, you've all seen babies do this. His dad says to him, my brother says to him, Martin, don't go up the steps. Don't play on the steps. And so what does he do? He, he goes up one step, and he looks over at his dad. He says, Martin, come down. Don't go up the steps. What does he do? Goes up the next step. And then looks. And, and babies from the very early on start, we, we say, oh, they, they just they push it a little bit. Not like they just push those boundaries, and they want to see, right, okay, until the punishment comes, and they go, okay, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't go up the steps. Uh, uh, I learned that. But we, we kind of push and push until it's too far. Well, we do that all of our lives. 
um, with God as well. We're like, yeah, God really says this. This is what's best for us. This is how we should live. Is that really right? I think I'll try it for myself. And so we go up one step, and then we go up another step. We're like, I'm still all right. God's still watching. There's no punishment here. There's nothing. And until our life is a mess. We all, um, we all sin and, and come short of God's glory. Psalm 58, uh, verse 3, says, Even from birth the wicked go astray. From the womb they are wayward and speak lies. From our very beginning uh, we are born into that, that sin. Now there are sins of commission, which are sins that we do, uh, different wrong things that we do that we, we know this is wrong and we do it anyway. We all do that. We just kind of move on up to the next step, whatever, and see what we can get away from. It's doing things that are against God's Word. There are also sins of, of omission, which means doing the, knowing the right thing and, uh, and not doing it. James chapter 4 of our 17 reminds us that and says, Anyone who knows what is good and doesn't do it, sins. Now, sometimes you might think, I've been pretty good this week. I haven't done anything that's wrong. But it may be that you haven't done anything that's right either. And you're still, uh, you've still fallen into that sin. We're still not living out God's word and God's will. Edmund Burke, who was uh, a British member of parliament in the mid-18th century, uh, has a, a great quote in this. Many of you have heard this. Um, Edmund Burke was a big supporter, actually, of, of American independence from, from the British rule. And he said this. He said, all that is needed for evil to prevail is for good men to stand around and do nothing. Isn't that powerful? All that's needed for evil to prevail is for good men to stand by and do nothing. Sin is not just doing what is wrong. Now, the church for, for, for decades, I think, have been really good at having a tick. That, yep, I have, I've not done this and I've not done that. I've not killed anyone this week. I've thought about it, but I haven't done it. I've, you know, I've, I'm, I'm still married. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm, I'm ticking the list. I'm, I'm doing all these things. Or I'm not doing these things that I know are wrong, um, but sometimes we are fa- falling into the trap of um, thinking we are okay when really we are, we're still sinning, we're still not following God's will, God's word, because we are not stepping up to do what is right. Uh, we're not stepping up to stop the wrong and to stop the evil which is we are allowing to prevail in our community, the evil that we're allowing to prevail in our nation or our world. So what are the effects of sin? We realize sin is everywhere. From our, our very beginning, from before we're born, we we're, were born into this sin because of uh, the first sins of, of Adam and Eve. But we also do plenty of it ourselves. And we said we, we have these sins of commission, sins of omission, things that we do and things that we don't do uh, that are um, things that we do that are wrong, things that we don't do that we should. So the effects of sin, the Bible says, sin separates us from God. In Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says, Your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he cannot hear. Sin separates us from God. We, he wants that fellowship with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. Uh, he wants to, to be there for us. And, and that sin just builds this gap uh, between us and God. Uh, sin doesn't just break the rules. It breaks the very heart of God. Second um, Peter Verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 9 says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. Uh, his desire is for all people to have that abundant life that Christ offers, uh, a life free from the, the chains of sin, the effects of sin, 
which lead to, to death. And uh, he wants all to have eternal life. And I think an amazing thing about God, there's lots of amazing things about God, but one amazing thing about God is that He doesn't force us to follow Him. He wants all people to, uh, to know Him and to experience eternal life, freedom from sin, but He allows us to have the choice. He loves us enough to, to let us go and to, to allow us to learn as we choose to follow Him, but He, um, he doesn't force us to follow Him. The ultimate effect of sin is death. Not just physical, but a separation from God for all of eternity. A spiritual death. Any who call on the name of the Lord can be saved, but uh, the Bible, and their, their, their names are, are written, Revelation would say, in the, the Lamb's book of life. And Revelation 20 verse 15 says, Anyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life is thrown into uh, the lake of fire. God is a, a God of life and light and hope. And sin leads to darkness and more darkness and, and punishment and death. And the punishment for sin cannot be overcome by any sort of human effort. There are religions out there. Islam is one that will teach, if you do more right than wrong in your life, then maybe there's a chance you can get into paradise. If you, if you give enough to the poor and if you, you care enough for the needy, if you've, kind of rally, you've racked up enough good things in your life, there's a chance you might make it into paradise. Uh, the Bible speaks very clearly that uh, Jesus is uh, the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. And it says in uh, Isaiah 64, 6, that all of our righteousness is as dirty rags before Him. There's nothing, no amount of good we can do that would win God's favor and, and would void this gap that sin has caused between us and God. It re- required uh, a sacrifice. And in the Old Testament, in order for sin to be forgiven, the, uh, the high priest would have to go in and he would offer a, a pure sacrifice, a, uh, a ram or uh, a lamb, he would offer the sacrifice on behalf of the sins of the people to cover the sins that they've done. And only the high priest was allowed into the Holy of Holies, into uh, this, this place which is in God's presence to offer the sacrifices for the people. The people weren't allowed to go in at all uh, to, to God's presence, but only the high priest could. So much so that um, they, uh, tradition says that they used to tie bells all around on uh, the high priest's garment and they would have a rope tied to his ankle so that when he walked into the Holy of Holies they could hear him moving around and offering the sacrifice and doing his work. But if the bell stopped, they thought, well, the, the high priest has, has died and they can't go in and get him and so they would pull the rope and, uh, and pull him out and uh, God would uh, appoint someone else. But they believed that only... Uh, only the high priest was allowed into God's presence to speak on behalf of the people, uh, to claim, cry out for the, the sins of the people and to offer the sacrifice. But it, the blood sacrifice of his lambs uh, and the rams would pay the price for uh, the sins of the people according to, uh, to God's old law. But when Christ came, he says, 
he is a new covenant poured out in his blood. And um, when Jesus died on the cross, the, uh, the temple, uh, the veil in the temple, which divided God's presence from the people, uh, was torn from, from top to bottom, allowing us all access into uh, the very presence of God uh, by the blood of Jesus that paid the price once and for all for us. We recognize Jesus Christ as the, uh, the perfect lamb, the only one who is without sin. We recognize we're all, uh, we all sin. We all come short of God's glory. None of us are righteous except for Christ Jesus. And he was the only one being fully God, as I mentioned in the last few weeks, uh, and fully man, he was the one who was able to carry our sins and our wrong, or the wrong of all mankind to the cross and pay the price once and for all, the blood of the spotless Lamb of God, God's own Son, paid the price for our sin. And that's where grace comes in. Jesus, the one who had done no wrong, was able to and willing to pay his own life on the cross for us. And there are many, um, many references. I've just given a few references about uh, Jesus Christ on the cross and, um, and how he's paid the price for us. We see this in, in John and in Acts and Romans and Corinthians and Colossians. That Christ is willing to pay the price for us so any who believe in him could have life and hope. But he did this not, not just because oh, there's a price that needs to be paid, so I'll pay the price for you. He did this because of his grace for us. I love this little quote uh, from uh, Donald Blush. It says this, The answer to sin is a forgiveness that was not conditional on Christ's sacrifice, but one that was responsible for his sacrifice. God did not give, uh, sorry, God did not forgive because his law was satisfied. Yet because he chose to forgive, he saw it that the demands of his law were fulfilled. Well, that the answer to sin is a forgiveness that's not conditional on Christ's sacrifice, but one that was responsible for his sacrifice. God did not forgive because his law was satisfied, but because he chose to forgive, he saw it to that the demands of the law were fulfilled. I was saying, Christ, um, you know, we're not free because... Uh, the forgiveness wasn't, God didn't forgive our sins because Christ paid the price on the cross, but because God chose to forgive us. He knew all of our sins and he knew that wrong. He decided to forgive all of them, and so he saw that the demands of the law, which is the sacrifice, was fulfilled, and Christ Jesus was the only one who was able to do that. It was out of his love and his grace, his mercy for us, that he was able to do this. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 um, demonstrate that for us and says, By grace we are saved and not of works, lest none of us can boast. It's not about how much good we do. It's not about how much right things we, uh, we accomplish. It's not about how many social justice things we stand up for. It's about Christ paying that price on the cross. It's about God's forgiveness and His mercy and His grace. It's about a God who knows us completely, all those wrongs, all those sins, the things no one else knows about, and yet loves us so much to pay that price for us so that we could be free. And this grace leaves us eternally connected with God. Paul writes in the, um, uh, the book of Romans, 
Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 38 and 39. I'm just going to read this for you. This is um, how beautifully we are connected with God because of God's grace. Any who uh, believe in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. God has brought us eternally into His presence because of His grace, because of His mercy. And so we want to look at how can we be set free. We recognize that the chains of sin enslave us. God has made a way for us through His grace. But how do we claim that? The Bible says in John eight thirty six, "Whom the Son is set free is free indeed. He's free completely. And so we can have this freedom by simply accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Jesus paid the price for our sins. And uh, if we acknowledge that sin and ask forgiveness of that and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. These are steps to freedom. We not only accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but we believe Jesus is God's Son and died to pay the price for that sin. And uh, we decide uh, to put our faith in Him and confess the wrong that we've done, the the sins that we've done, and ask God uh, to forgive us and to, uh, to come into our life. Accept, believe, and confess. And um, Romans 10, many of you know this. Verses 9 and 10 just remind us that um, anyone who, um, who confesses, who believes in their heart, uh, sorry, who confesses with his mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believes in his heart that God has raised him from the dead, you can be saved. Romans also challenges that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, many of you have seen Bible tracks with this through the years or uh, different things. It's still one of my favorite ways of, of leading people uh, to Christ, and that's what's known as the Roman road. And uh, you took them, take them through a few different uh, references through the book of Romans, so at least some, some people are going, well, where do I find verses in order to, to lead people to Christ? Um, it can be as simple as this. Um, the first part talks about it, recognizes who sins and says in Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, not even one. And uh, Romans 3.23, we, uh, we all sin and come short of the glory of God. And why we need a, a, a salvation uh, Romans 6.23 says the payment for that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And God provides that salvation in it. Uh, Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates His love toward us in this, in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we receive salvation, as I said, anyone who confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with the mouth that you confess and are saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the results, the beautiful results that salvation uh, are found here as well in Romans where it says, um, Since we've been justified through faith, we are peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice 
in the hope of the glory of God. Now, hope is um, a word that we often misconstrued today. I think we, uh, we think, oh, I hope I win a game or uh, I hope we have pizza for lunch or whatever it is that we hope. And we, we don't know if it's going to turn out or not. That's just something we're wanting. Hope in the biblical sense here is something we, we can, you can, you can go to bed at night resting assured this is going to happen. Our hope is a, a secure uh, faith in Jesus Christ. And so it's saying we rejoice in the hope and the glory, hope of the glory of God. We now have full assurance we are in God's hands because he loves us and because he has given his mercy and his grace toward us. And that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. We rejoice in that hope, the security that we have in the glory of God. Now you, um, you may be here this morning and you say, you know what? I've lived a lot like the son in the story today. I've, um, I've insulted God and I've insulted all that he has given. The lives and the gifts and the talents, whatever that might be. Maybe you've gone off and you've just kind of wasted it all. And you've made a mess out of your life. I want to challenge you to come home to God today. Because just like the father in the story... God will run to you and He will embrace you. He will welcome you, not as a servant, not even giving you what you deserve, but as a child, as a dearly loved child. He'll place the, the ring uh, on, and the robe on, on you, saying you belong here and you are mine and you are loved. God knows your sin. There's nothing that's hidden to God, nothing. Even the darkness becomes light as him, before Him. And yet he still loves you enough to give his own son on the cross to pay the price for your sin. Without Christ, you are lost. But he has a better plan for you. He gave Christ so you could be free. No longer held down by the sin that all of us are involved in. All of us have a part of our life. But Christ offers himself as a payment for that sin so that you could choose life. It's a gift to you. Will you accept it today? However, the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart. I'm just going to ask the musos to come up. And uh, as we sing this last song, I want to challenge you. Come and get your life right with Christ. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I need to give my life to Christ as a Savior. I've never really um, confessed my sins before. I've never believed in Him as my Lord and Savior. I've never given my life to Him. I come here and I sing the songs and I talk about a love for God, but I've never really surrendered myself to Him. And come and do that here today. No matter how you've lived, no matter what you've done or how many times, there's forgiveness and there's grace. There's hope and security in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for you here today. I want to ask, as we sing this song, uh, let's all stand, if we will, as we sing. And as we sing this song, if God is dealing with your heart and saying, you know what, it's time you get things right with me. Just come down and, and talk with me, pray with me. Maybe you just want to come down and just, uh, just kneel down here and pray and, uh, and give your life to Christ. Maybe you want to rededicate your life to Christ. You've been a Christian, but for far too long you've not been living that way. And you want to make things right with God today. Come and do that. However God's dealing with your heart this morning, just come as we sing this song.